Welcome back to MarTech Zone interviews. On today's show, we are talking to Tyler Ludlow. Tyler is the founder and chief decision scientist at the Decision Skills Institute. This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Uh, welcome back to MarTech Zone Interviews. On today's show, we have Tyler Ludlow. Tyler, thank you for coming on board the show today. Yes, happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And I was uh, fascinating with this discussion, uh, having worked for companies both large and small, diverse, uh, some with tons of investment money, some scrappy startups. I have absolutely seen the devastating and incredible um, results from uh, just a lack of decision process to hasty uh, decision process to uh, waiting too long to make a decision. So I, I'm looking forward to the discussion today. Yes. Yeah. All those things are very much true. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me a little bit, uh, maybe for, for the listeners here, you know, provide some input into your background uh, and then, and then technically, you know, what is decision science? Sure. Um, so my background, I, uh, I have a degree in applied math and an MBA, and then I studied decision science at Stanford. Um, after that, I worked uh, in, for two large corporations combined for about a decade. Um, I worked at Unilever and at Eli Lilly. Um, both of those organizations had an internal decision science team that I worked in um, and acted as essentially an internal uh, consultant and facilitator. For the company. And then um, in 2018, I left uh, Lilly and started my own business. And I've been doing that uh, for a little while now, helping with the focus of trying to help individuals rather than large companies per se, but to help individuals become aware of and utilize, learn and utilize uh, a little bit of decision science in, in, in what they do. Um, and, you know, I'm, as far as what is decision science, you know, usually I just I give a simple answer that it's a, simply a structured approach to select an option, like a, you know, some sort of path forward, even when some of the things that we're facing are unknown. Um, mm. and, and that's at a very high level, it's just simple, structured, clear thinking. Um, uh, th yeah, there's more to it, but uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the gist. Well, and, and I think, I think that, that, that deserves some attention there because I think um, structured thinking um, is the issue that all of us maybe have uh, too much faith in either our bias or experience or, or things and, and decision science and that process helps us kind of get out of our own danger zone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I mean, everyone makes decisions, right. Whether it's in life or in business all the time, day, every day, every week, um, you know, even, even big ones frequently. Um, and I, I am sure everyone everyone that I've ever met does some of those well, does some things well. Um, uh, but there is actually a science to decision-making. It's been around, uh, well, it's, as many things kind of cobbled together from a bunch of other fields, right? But uh, usually we talk about the late 1960s as being sort of the birth of decision science. And so you've got 50 plus years of research and practice um, that goes into, say, essentially distilling down into a framework that if it's very flexible, but if you follow it, it, it helps to fill in the holes that, you know, otherwise we'd have just left to our own either habits or biases or, or whatever it might be. 
Um, so yeah, it's a structured approach to, you know, figuring out a path forward. It's a way to be able to do that um, consistently over time uh, with the basic premise that we don't control our outcomes or the results of our decisions fully. But, um, but if we make better decisions on average, we'll receive better results. Oh, um, and that's, that's yeah. the idea. No, that's that that makes absolute sense. So um, we live in a world now where uh, obviously even with COVID lockdowns, you know, uh, economic upheaval, social upheaval, political upheaval, <laughs> you know, we're we're kind of we're kind of hitting on all cylinders, you know, right now. Um, and then with the advent of technology and the the incredible speed at which we're moving at, it seems like decisions are really becoming a huge crucial aspect to whether a company can survive and adapt nowadays, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, our, your comments made me think of, uh, there's a company that I worked with a couple of years ago who um, within the senior leadership of the company, they kind of got on this kick of, you know, data, big data. We need to have more be data, better information. Um, and uh, a gentleman who's a friend of mine who was involved in some of those conversations, um, he's aware of you know, this decision science field and whatnot. And he kind of chimed in and said, well, isn't it more than just data? Like we need to do something with that data. We need to like, and, you know, act in some way, decide and make a decision and choose in some way. Um, and, and absolutely, I think that's the key, you know, whether it's data, access to it, the tools to make sense of it, all that sort of stuff. It, but all of that needs to flow into, you know, enabling us to actually make a choice and move forward, take action in some way. It's, it's incredible. But, but literally, you know, when I started my career and I'm old, so, you know, when I started my career back, you know, in the eighties and nineties, you know, we had things like, you know, uh, looking out our, our output for 10 years and our output for five years and, uh, and where we, we, we literally went off site and, you know, did workshops and everything else and said, where are we going to be in five years? And where are we yeah. going to be? And, and so the decisions that we made, we felt comfortable that while they were hefty, you know, on the future of the business, we were pretty solid ground that that's the direction that we're going, you know, in. And, but nowadays that's not the case anymore, right? It's, it's, I might make a decision today and, you know, some aspect of my industry or, or like I said, political or social upheaval or something could, yeah. could shift that direction. And so it seems to me that, um, you know, companies that maybe were traditional in one respect have a harder time maybe adapting and, and really getting better at the practice of decision-making you know, versus maybe a new agile entrepreneurial company that grew up in this environment that culturally, you know, they, they went to college during this, they've seen change every single year. And so this is just part of their DNA type thing. Do you, do you see a difference in that? You know, maybe it's age groups or maybe it's uh, age of companies. I, I yes. I, and, and I think in addition to age, um, even just like some, companies, some industries, some contexts are, are just more steeped in uh, uncertainty. Like, I mean, even like now we're talking COVID, right? right and we have um, just that, what was it this last week that uh, there was uh, information shared on two vaccines that were very successful, right? I think Pfizer and, and has a partner, a small biotech partner, and then another company, Moderna has, has a yeah. vaccine. 
Um, I mean, think about for both of those companies, I mean, regardless of the helping, you know, mankind and humans, you know, all that piece of it. But if you just thought of it as a business thing, um, they didn't know, I think it was Moderna had an investor call and they found out on the call that the trial was successful. And if it hadn't been successful, no product, totally done, gone, right? Um, wow. And if it was, I'm sure it'll be a huge deal. I have no idea how the business and, you know, I know the government's buying hundreds of millions of doses, all these sorts of things, but um, there is one pivot point for that business, which was going to be huge, which to which they controlled zero of the outcome, right? It was all based on the, you know, biology and the outcomes of these patients in, in, in a clinical trial. Um, and I know in my time when I was at, at Eli Lilly and company, you know, as a, in, in pharma and drug development, like they, you recognize, they, they use the phrase science happens sometimes, right? Because they recognize that you, you do these sorts of research and, and you don't control whether it works or not. And you got to be prepared for some going well and some not. Um, and that I think is very different than you take maybe businesses like, like the restaurants um, that we face with. And I think it's easy for restaurants to start to just think of having a consistent stream of patrons over time and and not thinking about well what if everything shut down it doesn't hinge so much right. on one big event um so it's definitely a different way of thinking i think there's definitely um whether it's certain contexts that have that that sort of brew people being more comfortable with that i do think to your point there's a little bit of a uh what's the phrase um you know change is the only certainty uh right. nowadays right i do think there is a definitely a bit of a generational sort of acceptance that that change will and does occur. And so to kind of be one, be prepared, but also, you know, be willing to jump and react and pivot and those sorts of things. Definitely yeah, yeah I, I mean, we see it in marketing all the time. I, I see the risk averse kind of organizations that don't like to change process and everything else. The problem is the, the market is changing, the consumer behavior is changing, the technologies are changing. And so it, it does it doesn't matter that you're risk averse, <laughs> you know, it's everything is changing around you. So you, you have to make those decisions. And I often tell people that it's a weird thing where, you know, maybe 20 years ago, the job of a marketer was to walk in, sit down in the meeting and they knew what they had to complete on a daily basis. Nowadays, it's more walk in, sit down and prioritize, you know, what you're going to work on every day. And that, that decision-making process, you know, even there just on prioritization, is a, is a critical one to the success of, of, of someone's marketing, you know, uh, and, and how they're doing, uh, because there's 8,000 things that you could be doing, uh, but you only have the resources and time, you know, to, to do what impacts the, the business, the, the most. Absolutely. And everything that you, like you were kind of saying, you know, everything that you choose to do, you're trading off, you know, for the results of what you didn't choose to do. It's, it's, it's not just, uh, is this good enough to do? It's, is this good enough relative to this other thing? And that's a very different thing. Well, how, how do companies, you know, do decisions and, and what is that process look like and how, do, how is that helping companies, you know, uh, innovate and, and, and kind of adjust their trajectory? Sure. Well, I, I mean, in, in, in very large companies, typically you have more the luxury to, I use the phrase, you know, press the pause button, you know, just to recognize, um, you know, we have a patent that's running out or we have this problem occurring. We have something down the road and, and we've uh, been able to have our heads out of the sand a, a little bit to recognize. And then, and then uh, let's, let's be a little thoughtful about how we react. 
Um, I think sometimes obviously in smaller companies, it's, um, well, hopefully it's not flying by the seat of their pants, so to speak, but it's a little, a little more reactionary. Um, uh, I mean, I recognize that now on my own. I, I myself, I'm a bit more that way. Um, but so I think one key is, 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 uh, is, is being able to press the pause button, right? To be thoughtful, even if it's just for 15 or 20 minutes. Um, and, and to go through a little bit of a, a, of a structured approach. And, and I mean, the very like decision science 101, like in 60 seconds would be recognizing that there's just three building blocks to any decision, any difficult situation. And one of them are the decision, like sometimes it's not just one decision, it's multiple decisions, right? You're remodeling your house. What do I do for flooring? What do we do for cabinetry? What do I do for units? It's multiple decisions wrapped into one. So getting clear about those decisions, which by definition are the things that we do control. You know, we're gonna choose which option or we use a lot of language, which, which alternative we're gonna go forward with. Um, and so that's one bucket. The, the next bucket are values. And those are the things that are important to us. They're, they're the things that are gonna allow us to identify or select that, that our preferred alternative from the set that we're considering. Um, and then the third thing are uncertainties. And those are the things outside of our control. Um, and that could be, you know, natural phenomena like, uh, you know, market conditions or, or like the weather even or something like that. Or like we were talking science, right? You know, results of a, of a clinical trial or something. Um, but they also can be the decisions of other people, um, you know, whether that's competitors or uh, you know, partners even or whatever it might be. Um, but those, as simple as it sounds, those three different constructs or building blocks, uh, that is the start to being able to sort of structure and pull apart any decision context and be able to try and uh, sift through what can be distracting, what can cause, whether it's teams or individuals to kind of spin in circles and feel like they're not making progress, not getting anywhere, or man, I've been in, I've been in meetings where you, know, you try to state a conclusion to a group of folks and, and, and then one person, you know, people are kind of nodding their head and then one person says, well, not quite, what about this? Or it depends, whatever, right? And how many, I mean, you just kind of go in circles or you leave the room and you think, what did we really accomplish? We talked about a lot of important things here, but, right. but we're not really moving forward. Um, so I, I found just, just an understanding of decisions, values, uncertainties um, is a great starting point. Um, and then there's all sorts of, you know, techniques and, and uh, ways to be able to, structure those together, pull them apart, and be able to gain more clarity so you can kind of see through all of the superfluous things that are going on and get right. down to what really matters. What is the exact pinpoint trade-off that we're looking at here? Where can we pull a lever to get the most effect for our effort or investment? Um, and, you know, not... Uh, sometimes, I mean, decisions are difficult. And sometimes, especially if you're, you know, running a business and you got a couple of folks, you know, maybe who are partners or whatever it might be making the decision together, they might not agree, but at least get into the point where it is crystal clear what, what, what we're trading off between and what we're choosing between. Um, at least someone can say, and I've seen this happen many times, you know, a, a single decision maker after a discussion where there's different viewpoints represented, be able to say, okay, well, I see why you're saying that. We understand it all. Um, I, I get it. I view it differently. And so we're going to, you know, go this way. Someone might disagree with, right. the, with the out with the choice, but the rationale for choosing it should be shared amongst everyone. Uh, that's a great, great, that's a great tip for people. Um, you know, my, my new business has four partners. And so we, we definitely feel that way, you know, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 but I'll sometimes say exactly that. I'll say, look, 
I'm going to go with the direction that you guys think that we need to go in. I might disagree with it, but, but I'm, <laughs> I'm on board based on, you know, your experience or your, your understanding of the issue or the solution. Maybe they're a little bit more, um, they have a little bit more expertise there. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I, I have seen, um, I, I think one of the most dangerous things I've seen is the paralysis uh, side of this. So, you know, you, you talked about decisions, values, and uncertainties. Um, and, and then you even discussed like, you know, the people at the meeting that are the what if, what if, what if this, right, you know, the right, right. anecdotal where from a weight standpoint, those things really don't matter, right? Where you're paying attention to, you know, things that have very, very, you know, little risk or whatever. But I have seen that those can over, you know, those can take over an organization to where an organization is basically paralyzed. How do you, you know, how do you stop that from, how do you stop the uncertainties, uncertainties from outweighing, you know, the, the need for a decision? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, there's, I mean, cause there's a lot of different ways that can go down. So there's a lot of different ways to kind of deal with it, but um, you know, so at a very high level, one of the ideas that comes to mind is, is, uh, we talk about having a clear frame at the beginning of a process, right? Um, and by frame, sort of a, a clear understanding of the context, the objectives, the scope, what's in, what's out, that sort of a thing. What, what's the problem that we're actually trying to solve? Um, I mean, the old, the old adage of, you know, not having the right, the right solution to the wrong problem type thing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, within that frame, from a decision science point of view, we also talk about, you know, what are what are the key unknowns that the uncertainties as, as that language. Um, and it's not just like uh, sometimes people will get distracted by uh, ah, we don't know whether this is going to work out or that going to work out or whatever. Um, but having this idea of decision values, uncertainties in order for an uncertainty be, to be something that you decide to, to deal with a little bit and delve into, it's got to have sort of it's got to impact one of the criteria that you care about enough to you that you're going to use to select your preferred identify and select your preferred alternative if it doesn't you know if you're talking about you know well if you're like if you're talking about market share uh and 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 you know who knows what, how much we got given or whatever i mean obviously that's going to flow to revenue and to profit and whatever and that might be what you care about and so right. then that's important but if you're talking about um you know i'll give you an example when i was when i um used to work at lily uh, Lily had, uh, so Lily amongst various types of drugs does cancer research, um, in oncology. And so they had this one drug, um, and lots of times with cancer drugs, you're looking uh, across many different tumors to see where, which tumors might be responsive to it. Um, and so they had this one drug and, and amongst its set of tumors, they had this one type, um, and it overlapped that same type of tumor that it was being explored in, it overlapped with another drug, that uh, another cancer drug that had different set of tumor types, but one of them they shared. Um, and you know, one of the drugs was kind of further along, it had seen success in other areas and the other one had seen failures in other areas. And so there's kind of this question, do we continue to investigate both of these drugs or both of these molecules in these same tumor types? And part of that problem is like, well, what would we do in the end? Would we have these two medicines on the market at the same time? Would it work? Does it make sense? All that kind of thing. Um, a lot of it, a lot of the questioning came down to, well, what do we perceive the likelihood of each of those drugs making it through their clinical trials and being successful to be? Um, I mean, it's because it's easy, right? And the, the most common scenario is that neither one would be successful. 
Um, but I mean, right. clearly, if, if you knew one was going to be successful and the other one fail, you would have gone with that one and, and, and vice versa. But so what do you do beforehand when you don't know if that's the case? Um, and so that was a situation where different people had different, very different ideas. Uh, yeah. and, and, uh, and, and Lily, they have sort of a very robust methods for assessing uncertainties. They're down to like uh, designating probabilities like, oh, there's a 30% chance or a 40% chance and, and, and that sort of thing. And so they, people were arguing about these numbers for the two different molecules. And one of the things that we did was essentially run an analysis and be able to show that, you know, if you knew one was going to succeed, you, you'd stick with it. If you knew the other one was going to succeed, you'd stick with it. And so there is, there is nece by necessity, a point where, where, you know, your assessment of those probabilities, where they cross, where you'd be kind of indifferent and unsure which one to go with. Right. Um, for, um, and so what we were able to show is that, look, guys, the the numbers that you're arguing about are are on the same side of that inflection point, meaning that, you know, yes, in the end, one of you may be right and one of you may be wrong, but in, form, in, in terms of, you know, which molecule you'd prefer regarding both of them, it's the, actually the exact same. Right. So the the right. argument was was worthless. Um, and, but no one saw that when, you know, when you're in it, you're like, no, I'll just do it. And there was a lot, I mean, it was a big political issue, but being able to do that simple analysis, I can't tell you like the, uh, uh, the change of tone in the room and the feeling, um, it was just like instant. Um, and a little bit of like, is it really that simple? Um, but once folks you know, realize, yeah, yeah, this is the case. Like then that, that we put that aside and we went into some of the other details of, of you know, that informed the decision. So I think sometimes, I mean, I find in general that when it comes to the unknowns, the uncertainties, the things that we don't control, but we know impact the final results of our decisions, that it's easy for folks to throw up their hands and say, I don't know, we don't know, it could be anything. Right. Um, and it takes a little bit of discipline, but I find that um, we know a lot more usually, then we give ourselves credit. It just takes a little discipline to say, to start to narrow that in or to talk about uh, one example that I'll use very simplistic sometimes is, you know, if it's the weather, I don't know the weather tomorrow. It could be a million different things. But if all that really matters to me is whether I'm grabbing my umbrella or not, when I walk out the door, um, I can bucket the weather into, you know, any sort of precipitation and any sort of not. I don't have to get into the details of rain versus snow versus sleep versus partly cloudy or cloudy or any of that kind of stuff or even right. the temperature. Right. All I all I need to do is is know is how to inform my choice of grabbing that umbrella or not. Um, oh. And that's silly and ridiculous. I mean, you never lived that in real no, life. It, day, but. Yeah, but it's 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 it also lends itself to well, what's the worst case scenario? Well, the worst case scenario is I don't have an umbrella and it rains and I get wet. Right. And right? if you can handle the worst case scenario, then then everything else, don't argue about it. You know, at, at yeah. times you might not be able to handle that. The tougher situation is where you're like, well, we couldn't handle the worst case scenario. So right. what what do we do in between? Yeah. But anyway, so yes, there are techniques and some, some the, the, the art of it, the art of decision science is, uh, you know, having a toolbox of techniques um, and being able to, in every situation that in context that you face, be able to pull the right one out that allows you to still drive towards clarity, clarity that clarity of action that you can, you can make some, make some choice to move forward with. And, and that's, you know, a little bit of art, a little bit of science. Yeah. Well, and let's get into that because one of the things that uh, I read in the, in the show notes was, you know, that you say clarity with values leads to creativity with alternatives and maybe yeah. you can provide some color to that. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you another story. So this one, uh, I was, we were on vacation as a family. Um, we live in Indianapolis. We'd traveled to Pennsylvania and we were there for about a week, mixture of business and family vacation. Um, and we had a designated return date of, of Tuesday on a, on a Tuesday. And, um, it, what, I don't know, I think it took us like 12, 13 hours to drive there. I think it might be a nine, 10 hour drive, but with a bunch of kids in the car, it was a little bit longer. So uh, we're looking to come home and it was a Sunday evening. We were in a vacation home and I came downstairs from having laid down our little ones and my oldest son and my wife were talking about leaving super early on Tuesday morning rather than at a normal time, you know, I don't know, nine, nine o'clock or so. They were talking about leaving like really early, like 5 a.m. And I was like, what's going on? Because obviously I wasn't into that. Uh, if I didn't have to be, <laughs> right? And traveling with a bunch of kids who got were up since five o'clock doesn't sound like fun on a long road trip. So I started asking what was going on. And, and you know, as they're talking, they said, well, my wife said, well, you know, Adam really wants to make it. He didn't, for whatever reason, Adam didn't realize our travel itinerary. And he was like, I really want to make it back in time for my basketball game that night. Uh, and and he was on playing basketball at the time. And it was, it was, it was a big deal to him. And so my wife was she was inclined to support him and say, well, let's go home early. And so that he can play in his game and which I, I totally get, I, I, you know, we, we try to support our children, yeah. but I was worried about, you know, this miserable trip home. Like I said, 10, 12, 13 hours on the road with a bunch of kids in the cars. It just did not sound like fun, especially if they'd been up since 5am and not got a good night's sleep. And so I remember I, I, so this is a situation in general terms, right? Where I didn't like the option that was being put forward of, of what we'd be doing. Um, and so I thought I, I sat there for thinking for a second. And then I asked Adam, I said, Adam, what is it about making it on time to your game? That's so important to you. Um, and, uh, and it's so funny because I wish I would ask that question when I'm a, when I'm in dad mode, I asked that question cause I was in decision scientist mode. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but he sat there thoughtfully reflected for a second and then said, well, it's because I want my coaches to know that I'm committed. Um, see, because I guess what I didn't tell you was Adam was a sophomore playing on the varsity team. He hardly yeah. got any playing time, like ah. just junk time in the last, last 30 seconds of a quarter or something like that. And I was like, why are we leaving at this ungodly hour just so that he can ride the bench for the game? Nice. Thought, this is ridiculous. But, but so he said to me, well, it's because I want them to know that I'm committed. And I thought, no, that's profound because we, I, I can work with that, right? If, and, and it makes sense too, right? He wants to, over time, increase his playing time. So he wants to show he's committed. And so I, I started asking him like, well, Adam, what if we, what if we did leave early and um, let's say, you know, something goes wrong or, you know, whatever, and, we, and the trip takes longer than we had to. Um, what if I was to text or email your coach and say, oh, you know, Adam, Adam was so committed. He had us get up early. We left and did it. But, but this thing happened, flat tire, whatever. We weren't able to make it. I said, you know, I know that's not the same as getting there, but is that close enough or how similar is that? And he said, well, yeah, it's not the same as getting there, but that would have nearly the exact same effect. And so I was like, okay. So then I, so then I started thinking to myself, well, what if we what if we didn't leave early, but I just sent them the same email and said <laughs> that we did. Because I was like, Adam, I don't want you to lie, right? That's not okay. But I mean, I know that you were committed to this, you know. So, uh, but we started playing with this. You know, I, we didn't do that. I would, but uh, we no, started no, playing with this. And, yeah. You know, and even I, I remember thinking to myself, is there a way that we can think about this more creatively? And I, and I thought, well, would we pay 
how much would I pay if Adam could just poof, be there and the rest of us could just take our drive home without having to deal with it. And I was like, ah, one way, you know, a one way airline ticket or something like that. Right. Like a day or two notice that was out of scope, obviously. I mean, it was too expensive, but I looked at Amtrak. I looked at Greyhound. We looked at uh, yeah. something else maybe. And there the th- options were like a hundred bucks or something like that. And it made me start to think, well, how much would I pay? Like I would pay some money to show I was committed to him and give him his solution while still giving us ours. Right. Um, and then I asked him, I said, hey, Adam, how much do you have in your savings account? And, and he's like 30 bucks. And I said, would you pay that to get to your game on time? And he thought and said, yeah, I would. I said, okay. So we started thinking. And, and anyway, what we ended up doing after thinking down this road of like, what could we pay? Somehow the idea of what if we left the night before and drove, you know, four hours down the road and then got a couple of hotel rooms and we'd already rented this vacation rental. And, and so the idea of hotel rooms additionally was ridiculous. I'd never even considered that. Right. But um, if we thought of it just as an enabling expense and Adam was going to help pay for them, right? Right. A form of commitment from him. Um, so that's what we did. And it was, it, I mean, it was an even better trip for me as a, as a dad because we, we broke it up. We got, you know, three or four hours in the night before. And, and it was funny because I said, well, if we're going to do that, then you guys need, you need to, you know, pack up tomorrow on Monday while I'm doing my work stuff. They were normally going to go sightseeing, but they cut that short to come home, pack up. They came and picked me up and we hit the road that night and, and stayed in a hotel and then drove back. And we were home like two hours before his basketball game. Oh, um, that's fantastic. That's a, yeah. that's, a, that's a really great analogy for people to utilize. Yeah. But I mean, all of that creativity to your question, like all of that create quote, quote creativity, it came because first I was clear about what was important to Adam, his values. It was yeah. about communicating that commitment. Uh, and then even, you know, putting the additional quote value of, of money on the table. We haven't even considered, you know, it didn't seem like a money issue, but when you, when you put that dimension in and we say, okay, well, could we flex on money and enable other options that we hadn't thought of before? Um, so that's where I would say that's that, you know, this, this saying that I use sometimes of clarity with values leads to creativity with alternatives. It's not just about thinking blue sky options as anything on the table. It's about options that inherently are likely to give us more of something that's important to us. Yeah. And then, and then you start looking at a trade-off of, well, is that enough? You know? Um, oh, that's you fascinating. Know. That's I, I'm, I, you know, I'm just, my head is spinning because I'm thinking about times where I did make good decisions and part of the process was that. And then other times where I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't approach it in that, in that, in that way. So that's, that's a really, really um, fascinating kind of process to use. Well, where do, where do people go uh, to, to dig deeper uh, into this study? Yeah. You know, there are a lot of, uh, there are several good uh, books out there just on, on decision-making decision science in general. Um one that I would recommend that's a, a bit more accessible. Uh, it's called Decisive. It's written, written by a pair of brothers, uh, Chip and Dan Heath. Um, they do a great job of telling lots of stories and vignettes and including little uh, summaries of, 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 of research. Um, so it's very grounded, um, and, and it, but it does leave a little bit of a gap of like, here's some good ideas and then you have to figure out how to apply them um, a bit. Uh, we do have at, at the at the institute. We do have a, a five-day challenge program um, on how to uh, start using decision science to 
well, like we were talking about, to think more creatively, to innovate and, 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 and that sort of the process. And if you go to innovatingwithdecisionscience.com, uh, you can get, uh, you can find out about that opportunity and sign up for it. The, the idea of, of the, we do a few of these different challenges. The idea there is, is, to, is to cover uh, some of the topics, uh, some of the you know, nuggets, key points uh, uh, under a, a given theme or talk, topic, but to, but to do it in sort of bite-sized chunks with sort of homework or application opportunities yeah. so that the, you know, so that folks are doing something with it rather than right. just getting a hold of, of ideas that they're, they're applying it and getting some benefit from it. So, yeah. Well, and, and I will put show, I'll put the show notes in for the book, this high sieve and they, they, they wrote made to stick too, which was a fantastic yes. yeah. book. So, a, yeah. a number of, of, of good books. Yeah. 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 So I will put that in the show notes and then I will also put, um, you know, the course, uh, what, what kind of companies, you know, do you, if you, if you were going to talk to directly to, let's say, a you know, a sales leader or a marketing leader or business leader, entrepreneur, you know, what are the types of people what are the types of situations that you see, which would compel them, you know, that this is the right solution to, to go through right. one of these processes? Well, I think, you know, back to our discussion earlier saying, you know, we all make decisions. We all face them all the time every day. Um, so folks that in general are inclined to, to be thoughtful and have the time to be thoughtful, right. In their business. I know that doesn't fit with every business model, but um, for those that do, um, anyone who's, who's who's running a business, so to speak, or 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 a part of the business, um, I would suggest has the opportunity to improve their decision making. Um, I'll tell you one: when it comes to um, you were mentioning marketing leaders and and and, and small business owners, um, I think one context that I found uh, people quite intrigued and there's some traction for decision science is if you think about the act of quote selling something to someone, um, if you pivot that frame on it and view it as the potential customer who has to make a decision or a choice to purchase or not, right? Um, and, and then if you say, rather than being sort of a, 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 a more of a stereotypical salesperson, I'm going to envision myself as a decision facilitator. Right. I'm helping to guide someone through their decision, right? I mean, it, it takes a, a mental shift to, to, to be more of an independent. Um, you're not, you're not, you're not, twisting their arm into your, you know, your, the, right, the right. that you're selling, you're helping them literally make an informed choice about what's best fit for them. Um, but man, in certain, in, in the right context, um, that just goes down really well. Cause you're, you're, you're partnering up alongside someone as a bit of an expert, as a bit of a, you know, uh, advisor. Yeah. Um, and, uh, anyway, but, but no, yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think that's dead on. And oftentimes, you know, even from a B2B perspective, when we're, when we have salespeople selling to business leaders, their role moves beyond facilitator to even trainer to help them facilitate the decision, you know, yeah. In, yeah. internal to the organization. So I think you're right on when, you know, I think a lot of people really, really make an error when they, when they see salesperson, they, they cringe and, you know, they think the cheesy guy selling a used car. Um, <laughs> and, and the, the salespeople that I know are exactly like what you're saying. They, they are absolutely in the science. They are constantly researching and looking at how they're reacting and, and everything else to, 
to help facilitate that decision-making process. So this is, this is an amazing conversation. I think we, I think we could probably talk for another <laughs> couple hours. And, and by the way, I'm in, I'm in Greenwood. So we're, we're going to have to get together for a cup of coffee some, someday soon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. 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 Well, I could definitely uh, ramble on for hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, th- thank you for your time. And, and like I said, uh, for everybody, we will, uh, we'll put in the show notes, uh, the book, uh, we'll put in uh, for the Innovating with Decision Science Challenge. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we'll put in how to get a hold of you. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, I appreciate it, Doug. It was nice chatting with you. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.